Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker. The pro wrestling world is currently on fire. And so we've got you covered five days a week on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Every Monday and Thursday, hang out with me and Kaz on the Masked Man Show. And this is Peter Rosenberg, the host of Cheap Heat. Join me and my guys, Stack Guy Greg and Dipperstein, on Tuesdays and Fridays. We talk wrestling, we have bagel breakdowns, mage interviews, and so much more. And Ben Cruz here. Come kick it with me, Cal, and Brian on Wednesday Worldwide, where we hit the most interesting headlines and even react to some of Mass Man's, Cheap Heats, or even your hottest takes. Don't tap out, tap in to the Ringer Wrestling Show feed, now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And stay mage, everyone. Worldwide. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. Welcome to Extra Point. Taking Shield Kapati here, joined by Ben Solak, back from a week at the Super Bowl. We're home. I got snow on the ground outside. We got a snow day here. Uh, yeah. How, how much you get? I don't know. I measured it. It looked like a couple inches, I guess. I don't know. I, I, nothing I love more than walking out there with the ruler, putting it down, seeing what we got. My pops was sending me pictures. They got big snow up on Northeast PA. It was enough to have a uh, school day canceled. So that's all. Uh, I know, but we're back here. We've got takes on both the Super Bowl and the non-Super Listen, the, the off-season's here, baby. We got free agency. We got trades. We got drafts. This is the good stuff. Only two fan bases really cared about the Super Bowl. All 32. I mean, you're excited about the months ahead. So we're going to get to all of that before we get started, people. Listen, do your pause. Don't do Solak. You don't have to multitask. You can pause. Ringer NFL on YouTube. That page it is good. It doesn't make sense to pause a <laughs> podcast. It plays in the background. All right. So I am right on this one. All right. Go ahead and do it while Solex talking. I don't want you to miss what I'm saying. You can miss what he's saying, but subscribe to Ringer NFL on YouTube. That baby's going to be loaded with off season content. There's already stuff out there. You can see what we look like as we're podcasting. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Benny Solex. You give, you give unbelievable, you give unbelievable directions. You say, pause the podcast. Thank you can you. open YouTube. You gave you gave Lindsey Jones and then from Lindsey to me directions on how to leave the stadium after the game and they were terrible. They made no sense at okay, all. That's they wrong. Were, okay. Oh, you're gonna read I, them? Okay, read that them. That is Go wrong. Ahead. That is wrong. The first half was excellent. Okay. It started with take elevator closest to where we're sitting down to 100. So where we're sitting, take the elevator closest down to 100 level. Bang. Easy. Excellent. Then take a left and stadium exit is on your left. 
excellent, great. That works for me, right? Okay, so you're Turn out of the, the stadium now? Okay. Look for the stadium, right? So you're out of the stadium. Now, to give those who didn't attend the Super Bowl a little color, when you leave the stadium, it's not like a regular stadium. So it was the Super Bowl. There's the usual ticket gates, and then there's like several layers of constructed like like boundaries and like queues and like fan experience over here and and like here's a little billboard like and here's about a pillar with like directions no accountability no, 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 no. Okay. america's okay. youth so, all right go ahead so i step out of the stadium i step out of the north exit to the stadium uh once you walk out make a right and then a left and you're there literally what? the easiest way what <laughs> so Are easy no so firstly the north exits from which I exited, right? Take a left and then another stadium exits on your left. There's about 17 doors spanning like 30 yards. So you, I, what, which, okay, so I exit here and I take, I, immediately I take a right, I just leave. So do I have to go to a certain landmark? Here's the next line, here's the next line. You'll be able to see the hotel. The hotel's a pyramid, Shield. It's a 100 floor pyramid. I can see it from everywhere. You'll be able to see the hotel. I couldn't find the bridge for like 15 minutes. And then eventually I found it going, way, way, way further left than I initially believed, and then taking a right, and then taking a left, and it was there. Take a right and take a left. Luckily, I have third-party evidence, and we'll get to football, but I'm not going to let this slide. Uh, we're so lucky. I have a Slack message I'm looking at from the wonderful Lindsay Jones at 1.55 a.m., and I am reading verbatim. Sorry, I didn't check. I should have checked with her if this is on the record, but I'm going to assume she's okay with this. Just got back to the room. Your directions were very helpful. Bam! I got, bam. I got so from, two people oh, looked I at the directions. Too. One of them, a very competent person, we know, Lindsay Jones, said they were very helpful. She got back, no problem. The other person, excuse making, no accountability, says the directions were terrible. Uh, listeners, you Lindsay was judge. like, let okay. me send you Shields yeah. directions. They were so helpful exactly and then oh, i got okay. them so there you go yeah, two and, people and halfway through i was like this is great she'll killed it take a right then take a left and you're there listen i'm sorry the mo- that next time call me i'll come hold your hand or i'll get a stroller or something and push you around so bad and, and bring you back to the hotel okay my first take <laughs> uh, that, that felt good honestly i'll do a whole hour <laughs> arguing about that all right sorry go ahead i love direction all right i give excellent direction. you need to get anywhere you call me yeah my first take uh Please stop blaming Kyle Shanahan for this 49ers loss. I understand that we want to. And I, I and notice, I didn't say Kyle Shanahan is blameless. Like There's absolutely stuff that Shanahan could have done better in this game. And I think that if you took Andy Reid and you took Patrick Mahomes, you took Brock Birdie, you took Mitch Wisnowski and, 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 and Dershawn Wharton, there's stuff that they would say they could play better in this game. This was a mistake riddled, an addled game of football. And I understand that, like, Kyle's own one as, as a coach, and he had a lead on the 49, a lead on the Chiefs in 2019, and he blew it. And he had a big lead as the Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator, and they blew it. And he had a 10-point lead on, on, on the Chiefs in this one, and they blew it again. Like, I understand all of that. The, the, the instinct to say Kyle's team lost a game in which they had a lead. Ergo, it's Kyle's fault because they've done this before. I, I, I understand that. But there were seven fumbles in this game. The Chiefs, the Chiefs put the ball on the ground five times and the Niners only recovered it once. Like they got some bad bounces, right? The swing point in this game was a punt bouncing off of a dude's ankle and then dribbling into a, a, a one throw 16 yard drive for the Chiefs to score a touchdown to even get back into this thing. You had uh, a, a Steve Spagnolo defensive game plan that was 
like excellent. And Kyle was working around this and he was getting positive drives and he was getting, you know, okay, they, they got their three and outs, but also they're getting down the field. And then you have a Christian McCaffrey fumble when Christian hasn't put the ball in jeopardy at all. You have a drive that stalls inside of the 10 because your backup right guard has a mental error on a pass protection, right? You have George Kittle in the backfield on, on the third and four, the Trent McDuffie blitz that came free where Kittle just doesn't look weak side at all, right? Like you just have you have a, a backup in, in Burford, and you have an excellent player in Kittle, both making errors, mental errors in, in protection, right? You have uh, Legereus Sneed versus Debo Samuel, uh, or excuse me, Trent McDuffie versus Debo Samuel, Legereus Sneed versus Brandon Ayuk. You have like your best versus their best, and their best beat your best, right? Like there's just so much that went down in this game. I thought Brock Purdy missed some throws. I thought Brock Purdy was late on some throws. I thought that Trent Williams didn't play super well. I thought that, you know, Fred Warner played excellent, and then didn't play excellent on the one play that mattered, the third and seven, the big catch and run of Travis Kelsey. Like, there's just so much that this is a five-quarter game that I like. I, I understand. I was like, okay, Kyle abandoned the run. I disagree. Like, I don't think he abandoned the run. I think that the, the Chiefs were structurally taking the run away. He went and play action pass. He went for, like, counter runs and, and, and kind of misdirection runs, and they just couldn't win the matchups that they needed to win. Okay, uh, Kyle should have been better in pass protection. Like, Kyle should have solved the pass protection issues. You're right, but this is always, like, this is, if you want to run a motion-heavy offense, an offense with five on the concept, you're going to lose in protection, right? You, you you always lose somewhere. We said for two straight weeks, man, this is a bad matchup for Shanahan versus Spags. This is not a good matchup. They are motion and condensed. Spags, is, that is what he beats. So we we said X's and O's wise, this was not a good matchup for him. And then he loses on the X's and O's and, and it's because he's a bad coach. Sometimes the, you, you're going to have a weakness to your offense. There's always a cost to something. Okay, now, like overtime, he should have kicked, you know, kicked the ball and gotten it second. Maybe... We don't really know that, right? We're not positive. Like, this, these are new rules. There's a lot of debate to it. You and I were debating it in the press box, screaming up to Mike Garofalo on the third level. Steven's talking about what he does on Madden. We were all trying to figure it out live. Should his team have been more prepared for the overtime concepts? Like, absolutely. Like, to me, like, that's the biggest issue where you go, okay, Kyle, like, you know, walk your team through the new rules they're going to see in the postseason. That's like a big mistake. But to say that Kyle had a bigger hand and the Niners lost than anybody else in a game that ended 25-22 with a blocked extra point and a blocked 57-yard field goal that still went in. Like, there's just way too much that happened in this game for me to say, like, man, Kyle blew it. I think that is an oversimplification. I think that is that is going for, like, the the, the easiest take, like, the, 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 the lowest hanging fruit. I don't think it encapsulates the nature of this game at all. No, I'm not asking you to name names, but you know, I always have to add like this is because I haven't seen this take like all over the place, but you're, you're saying this is a take that is pretty common in the post game analysis and reaction that Shanahan's getting crushed for this. I've seen a lot of like Niners fans. Okay. Like he abandoned the run. And I think that like in 2016 against Falcons Patriots, he kind of did. I don't think in this game in which the largest lead that they ever held over the chiefs was 10 points that you can fairly like. He abandoned the run. They never led by more than one possession in the second half. I, I, I don't know. It's yeah. not abandoned. Like it's, it's Mahomes. You got to try to put points up. So I've seen that. I've definitely seen a lot of like, man, Shanahan late game management. Like I, I had, I had a, I had a big conversation with somebody about like, you know, they're blo- like, why are they pulling the center in protection and all these protections that they're messing up? It's because they don't have a big menu of protections, and they weren't even that good at the center pole. Like they were trying to solve a problem that they knew they would encounter and like they didn't execute it well. And I think the, the right guard injury was a big part of that, especially late. Uh, but in general, like this is not a team that has a lot of max protection. They had a couple max protection reps. You know what happened? Brock dropped back, felt seven blocking six in the pocket, got a little antsy and left. Right. And like, I, I, I don't think this was like a, a bad Brock game. I do think it was a game that kind of 
illustrate some of the limitations of having a quarterback like him. The, the, the third and five that they failed to convert. On the second and five, yes, George Kittle open for a first down. He can't get rid of the ball. He's not big enough to get around Nick Bolton. Like, there's limits to a quarterback like this. And Kyle brought this guy to the postseason. And so I, I, I don't think it's like a, you know, a 1A block, Stephen A. Smith, Kyle Shanahan blew it. But I definitely think there's like a, a, a solid portion of Niners faithful and a solid portion of people who are like, Kyle needed to be better in this game. And could he have been better? Yes. Did he do his part? Absolutely, in my opinion. He did. And like, it came down to little margins lost by a lot of different players in this one and gained by a lot of different Chiefs players that led to a, a Chiefs win. But there were so many chances this could have gone the other way. This was a coin flip game. We shouldn't be drawing big conclusions out of it like that. I generally agree. And I've been, when Kyle Shanahan has screwed up game management stuff in the past, I have mm-hmm. ripped him for it, even in their wins, I don't think he coached a bad game here. Now, I will say, I, I think if you if you want to criticize Kyle Shanahan, I think the what the most fair area would not be the game management here. I think it would be the performance of the offense. I mean, you said, yeah, this wasn't a good matchup, but like that's what you're paid to do, Kyle. Is is to like you have two weeks, figure it out. If it's not a great matchup, what are you going to do? And this was the 49ers third worst offensive performance of the season based on EPA per drive. Now, some of that's misleading. Christian McCaffrey fumbles. There's nothing, you know, Kyle Shanahan can do about that. Now, they did have six possessions after halftime and scored one touchdown. And so, like, for as great of an offensive coach as Shanahan is, and he had his guys on offense, like, you know, Debo, all right, Debo was a little bit uh, injured, but you're going to deal with some of that. He had his, and obviously the guard injury hurts, but still you would hope for more uh, more than that. You know, they had a three-drive sequence, I thought, it, to start the second half where they went three and out, three and out, three and out. Remember when Mahomes so threw that interception say, yeah. and they didn't score? It was like, oh, man, that hurts. They had nine plays for minus two yards. Now, you're always going to have ups and downs throughout the course of a game, but I think if you're a Niners fan and you say, Shanahan has been such a great offensive coach with this group of offensive skilled possession position players. We would hope that we could do better than we did in terms of offensive efficiency than we did in this game. I think that's fair to say. No, that is. And those three drives, the all uh, I broke them down for the play sheet. Uh, and, and particularly, I broke down the first and tens on those drives because those are the drives where Kyle came out and said, okay, you're going to run blitz on every first and 10. I'm going to play action. Or he like, you know, I'm going to make you think I'm running this way and then I'm running that way. And every single time they lost, right? They blew a protection that led to a Leo Chanel free rusher. Brock has to throw it away, second and 10. On the, the ensuing one, they went play action. George Karloff, so Chris Jones read it out. And, and it was the uh, the throw to Juwan Jennings. That was an eight-yard loss. And then the final one, they did a little misdirection run and Mike Pinnell beat Trent Williams, right? And you're just looking there being like, we need Trent Williams to beat Mike Pinnell. Like we yeah. need, we have to be able to win that. And it was a very tough block for Trent, like angles wise. But in general, you're like, you're you're waiting for Ayuk to snap off a route that goes for 15. You're waiting for Trent to win a block, and it just wasn't landing for them. They, they were trying to go counterpunch, and it wasn't working. You can look at those and say, all right, Kyle, this was this was your your changeup, right? This was okay. If they're going to come out and run blitz us, this is how we're going to adjust. And it fell totally and completely flat. That to me is where uh, Kyle failed, right? That's where okay, like they're giving you run blitz on first down. They're adding guys to the cuts. They're taking away the run. You could have seen this coming. Play action pass is going to be your solution here. Why can't we get guys open? And like Chris Conley for 18 yards. That was that was spread actually. But Ray Ray McLeod for 19 yards. Like they had some chunk plays, but it's Conley and Ray Ray. Like you want to be figuring out how to get Debo and Ayuk open on these. And man, like McDuffie and, and freaking uh, uh, Legereus Sneed, uh, Mike Edwards, Justin Reed, do the way that they passed off routes. This was, this was film nerd. Like, you know, what film? Just, oh, look at the, look at the, the chemistry, the adjustment, man. They were, the Chiefs secondary was lights out in this one. Yeah, even for what I said, I tend to, and I, I haven't gone through all the film, but I, I tend to give Spags more credit than I do 
Shanahan wasn't good enough. That's a I great mean, way of putting it. That's yeah. a great way so of putting it. So it's like, yeah. there are times where you yeah. say, but I mean, I mean, sometimes, yeah, the other team gets you. And I think Spags did that uh, in this game. Now, I have two actually 49ers sort of Shanahan related takes. One yeah. of them is big picture that I was going to lead with, but I think I'm going to lead with the other one because. Yeah. Can I just say real quick, yeah. the way that you've got me Pavlovian dog trained, where I go on one of those big rant, rants and I can see you just like kind of nodding and like listening. And then I'm just waiting for the, the <laughs> like, there's always a pregnant pause. And then you do one of two things. You say, I completely disagree. Or, I generally agree. You never completely agree, by the way. It's always, no, it's always that like, would make for a terrible show, <laughs> yeah. and that's not going to happen. So yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And it would, it would make me feel too good. Also, it'd be very validating to me. So you're not going to let me have that. I just I if just I just said good take and moved on to my next one, yeah, that's I, not. I just happen. sit here like like a like a young boy <laughs> hoping he made his dad happy, right? And then his dad goes, "I generally agree, son." And actually, like, the relief that washes over me. Oh my goodness, what a feeling! Dad is unhappy that his son can't follow instructions on a nine minute walk. All right. My <laughs> my first day, I'm going to get to the big picture one uh, later because I want to touch on the one point you made here. And this was one of my takes. Uh, there was nothing wrong with the 49ers decision to take the ball first in overtime. And I'm glad I'm talking about this with you because I was flipping out at the time. I thought I was going to do this alone. I was like, there's no way Shield's not bringing this. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to let Shield have the overtime decision as his wheelhouse. This is fun. This is new game management stuff. I mean, we yeah. haven't had to do So this was fun for Uncharted me. Uncharted And I'm flipping out at the time going, I thought the Chiefs won the toss. Honestly, that's, I thought the Chiefs you won the stunned. toss. I'm like, wait, they won the toss and they're taking the ball. And then uh, credit to Steven Ruiz who made the point right uh, right away, which is the key point. So let's get into this and clarify this once and for all, because this is one uh, I ask you to name names. I mean, I, I've just seen people ripping the Niners for this, like this was the wrong decision. It wasn't. First of all, it's a toss-up decision, which I know you're the person who generally compliments the NFL. I do not like to do that at all. It's a sign that they got this thing right, because if it's hard to know whether you should take the ball or not take the ball, and it's 50-50 regardless, then I think that is a good way to do overtime, because you're not giving a team a big advantage just by winning the coin toss. So I, I like the general rules of the overtime. So the case for going first is very straightforward. And I thought Shanahan explained it well, and like he's kind of getting ripped for it. I don't know if people didn't understand it, but I, I thought he explained it well, saying you want the ball third in the event that the game is tied after the opening possessions. Like, does that make sense to you? Because that made perfect sense to me. I thought he explained it succinctly and clearly. Do you get that or not? Yeah. There's one thing you know for certain and when the coin flip lands. And it's that whoever has the ball third, if they score, they win. That's the only thing you Correct. know for sure. And so you would say, okay, like, let's go be that team. So I thought, no, he, he explained that well. There's... More to that that goes off like some of the Chiefs logic, but I'll let you keep going. Okay, yeah. So uh, if neither team scores, if both teams kick a field goal, if both teams score touchdowns, you get the ball next and you win the game with a field goal. And that it's it's like the old, it's like regular, it's like the old sudden death over time. It's like winning the coin toss. I mean, we know that's a huge advantage. That's why they changed the rules. Uh, my friend Mike McRoberts of Championship Analytics was messaging with him uh, on this. And he says, yeah, the team with the ball third, uh, if they get the ball third, would win the game 60 to 65% of the time. I mean, that is a huge, right. huge advantage. So it's totally rational to say we want that advantage. And that's why we're going to take the ball first. Now, and the case for going second is very different. You know exactly what you need to extend the game or win the game. And, and the big key there is you get to play a four-down game. 
So the Chiefs got the ball and like there was no scenario in which they were punting and they knew they could go for it on fourth down. They needed to at a minimum get into field goal range. Uh, and obviously they want to score the touchdown there. So that is a huge, huge advantage. Now, analytically speaking, if you take the ball second or if you're going to choose to take the ball second, you really should go for two. Uh, exactly. Yeah, you should go for two. So, so if the first team scores a touchdown and then you score a touchdown, you should go for two because generally speaking, a two-point conversion is 50-50. And if you're just kicking the extra point, you already know, yep. like I just said, you have like a 40% chance to win the game. So that's like a, that's a big deal there. Now, Chris Jones told Lindsey Jones after the game that that's what the Chiefs were planning on, that they practiced this. I really exactly. would have loved to see this play out and see if Andy would have had, because Andy is not the most aggressive coach. I really would have loved to see that if it came down to it, if he said, you know what? Our defense is playing pretty well. Maybe we can stop them and get the ball back. I don't want to put it all on the line, the whole Super Bowl with one play here as a two-point conversion. So that would have been really, really interesting. So uh, I just think, you know, again, there's, in the past, in the playoffs, plenty to rip Shanahan on with game management stuff. Even in this game, if you want to say, I think the one thing you could criticize him on is the end of halftime, the end of the first half. He could have been using some timeouts and tried to steal a possession there um, and gotten the offense the ball back. We know that's generally not how he operates. But this, this wasn't one of those things. Like This is literally a 50-50 proposition, and his process was fine. He said he talked to analytics staff. Like, he was prepared for this. He wasn't just like, oh. Give me yeah. the ball. You know, we'll see what, like he said, they have prepared for this. He talked to analytic staffers and it was a reasonable decision. So it's a toss up. It's based on preference. There's actually no right or wrong answer. Like this is one where you really aren't going to be able to kill the coach based on what they do because you could do either one and justify it and you could justify it with data or just your rational thinking about what's happening uh, in the football game. So I just wanted to get into that discussion because I feel like there's a lot of wrong stuff out there and uh, right. that that's the way I see it. I don't know if you disagree. Now, the the point about the Chiefs going for two is the point that's critical here, right? Because the value of taking the ball is that you get the ball third. You get the ball on the official sudden death drive. However, if you look at the other sideline and you think that that coach is going to go for two when he's down seven, then all of a sudden that third drive doesn't exist. There's just no chance. Because either you're winning by one or you're losing by one. And so in that moment then, I, which I think like you can make this case for Kyle, okay, Andy's probably going to go for two. Like that's the way that they, I think that you can look over historical data. Yeah, you can look at the way. I don't know no, about so that. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. I, when I think of the Chiefs over the last five years with Mahomes, I think of them as a heavy go for two team. Now they haven't been in the circumstance that much where they're down seven, right? Typically they're just winning games with Mahomes. So maybe, maybe I'm, remembering two plays and like it's yeah i don't think I, I i can't remember where i saw it now but i don't think that that's backed up by okay the numbers yeah so let's like yeah let's not put it to this exact environment then let's put it just like a generalized environment if you look on the other sideline you think that guy's going to go for two it makes taking the ball and getting the third drive less valuable so now there becomes some gamesmanship right if you know that just the most turtle coaches over there on the sideline right you're, you're playing joe judge you're playing matt rule Gotta take that ball, brother. You have an edge. Otherwise, you have to start doing some two-point conversion math. Who do you like better on a two-point conversion? You or them, right? And and that kind of is what ends up deciding this game because it, it, whoever scores second has got to be going for two. There's no doubt that if you score a touchdown second, two-point conversion is the right call. Do you so think Shanahan would have gone for two though if the Chiefs won the toss and got the ball first and scored a touchdown? If the- he okay, if he spoke to an analytic staffer about it, 
then then like if I were the staffer making the presentation, right. my number one note would have been if we get the ball second, we go for two. And it would have been presenting the idea of, of never getting to a third. That drive. would be against what we yeah. uh, he went for a big fourth down in this game, which again it was a similar scenario Kudos. to the Lions one, and no one, you know, obviously everyone who rips the Lions for that as I tweeted out, just they just knew in their gut that it was the right time this time, and he got it. Like, yeah, I know some of you, yeah. you got that. That's why guts are so helpful. It's because of how they happen out. Yeah, that man, that's another great what if. I really wonder because history would oh, suggest brother. he probably wouldn't have. But he did do it in this game. He knew he he did said it, say in the post game press conference, like going for that fourth down was also because Mahomes is on the other side. So maybe he would have, maybe he would have gone for uh, the two point conversion there. But uh, that was interesting. That's it, it's fun. Uh, uh, again, I think that it, it's a good rule for the playoffs for overtime. I don't think Shanahan did anything wrong there. It obviously just did not work out for him. All right, yeah, let's take a break. We'll come back with more takes. I've got one. This is 49ers. Uh, this is going to be a little 49ers heavy, I think, because I've got one more 49ers Shanahan take to get off my chest, and then we'll get some to some other stuff uh, around the league as well. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. All right, we are back on extra point taken. Solak, hit us with your second take. What do you got? Uh, this Travis Kelsey Andy Reid thing is a total nothing burger to me. It's a complete interesting. Uh, uh, it it doesn't interest me very much. Uh, for those who missed it, uh, big huge catch and run. Michael Hardman just catch actually no run. Michael Hardman Chiefs get the ball in, in, inside of the ten. Uh, hand the ball off to Isaiah Pacheco first and goal. And then all of a sudden, Isaiah Pacheco fumbles it away. Uh, and and it, after that play, you know, kind of a couple plays later, the cameras in the broadcast had caught on the sideline. Uh, Travis Kelsey, real frustrated, real mad at Andy Reid. He is barking at him. He is bellowing at him. And he gets up in his grill. He gets into his chest, right? And, and, uh, uh, and he's got a super big, angry face on. And Andy's just like totally not prepared for it. Nonplussed. They didn't notice it. And Andy gets knocked off balance. He goes careening off to the side and like another coach grabs Travis Kelsey and whatever. Kelsey was really upset as we kind of found out through the reporting during the game and afterward that he wasn't in on that play. And backup tight end Noah Gray, who was in on that play, was trying to block the dude, Diamondor Lenore, who ended up creating the fumble, right? And so Kelsey's like, yeah, if I were in, you throw me the ball, I would have blocked it, like whatever. Like he's like, you know, like, like this, this, they fumbled it after a big play. Like this is like a big, big deal. After the game, Andy Reid gets asked about this. Travis Kelsey gets asked about this, obviously. 
And firstly, I thought Andy did a wonderful job of just de-escalating it. Andy was like, listen, you caught me off guard. I was not ready. I like, you know, Andy stopped one sentence short from being like, if I had time to build a base, right? If I low center of gravity <laughs> yeah. or activate the hips, defense alignment. His butt online, would have been on the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Andy wanted to make things very clear. I could have I, I could absorb that contact if I was ready. All right. That's what Andy <laughs> really wanted to get across. But he said, listen, like, Travis is an emotional dude, and Travis gets emotional all the time. And we like it. We live for it. Like Albert Breer wrote a story 24 hours before this where he was like, Travis Kelsey just gave the greatest pregame speech ever and multiple Chiefs players removed to tears. Like Travis is a heart on the sleeve dude. Always has been. Remember, like earlier in the season, Travis and Andy were getting uh, the, the Raiders. Kelsey threw his helmet and Andy got in his grill and Andy gave him a little like like body check, a little shoulder check, right? Like these, the like, Travis gets very vocally mad on the sideline. He has. And Andy deals with it in the way that Andy, who's been a head coach for over two decades, thinks is best, right? The thinks is, is the right way to go about it. We also like, uh, this was the Super Bowl. It was Travis Kelsey who's dating Taylor Swift. He's the most visible player. He's a player that everybody wants to talk about. And there's clicks there. I understand that. Uh, I, I, we had we had uh, 17, 18 weeks of NFL regular season. I would say on at least nine of those 18 weeks, a player got into it with a coach on the sideline. And then they talked about it on Tuesday. And then by Sunday, it was we had like Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien arguing, right? Now, like, did, did, did we get as bad of pictures as like Travis Kelsey with the big beard looking like a Viking, neck vein popping out, ruddy faced, ah! and Andy Reid's just there, like doesn't notice it's happening? Like, no, like the photo looks scary. But in general, like, which, this happens. NFL players are keyed up, man. They are they are at a 13 out of 10. They are like, this is war. This is intensity. This is the Super Bowl. Of course, Travis is pissed. They just fumbled the football. So you got, and I don't think he meant to knock Andy as far as he did. I don't think Andy meant to get knocked as far as he did. But I don't think I, it, it matters much to either one of them. And that's win or lose. Like, obviously, lose, like, it's a little bit more difficult of a conversation. But, oh, Travis only had one catch in the first half. He had nine in the second half. I don't think that's because he yelled. I think it's because they wanted to get him going. He's their best player. To me, this is like, the sort of thing where it's a story because of the picture. It's a story because of the image, a story because of the moment in the building for them. I, I don't, I think this is a Tuesday. You know, like, I, I don't, I don't think this registers very much. I think this is how Travis and Andy's relationship is. Andy made that clear. Travis said he owes his entire career to Andy. Travis says that he, he lets me be me and he, and he works with me on a lot of stuff and he helps me get through all my emotions. Like he, Andy means the world to him. To me, this, this, this doesn't register to me. I mean, it's mostly a story because who Travis Kelsey is dating and it was the Super Bowl and everyone was watching yeah. in, in in my opinion. I generally agree. I mean, you said you had, you know, nine out of 18 weeks, you have a dust up like this. All right. Making a player should not be making contact with a coach, you know, especially when the coach is like not looking there. I think Travis Kelsey would say that's over the line. I think most NFL players would say, man, I, yeah, I would never, uh, I would not do that uh, with my coach. So if you want to make that argument, that's fine. It's still like, I don't like, I'm surprised we're, um, you know, like, like we wouldn't generally be talking about this. I think you're right on a Tuesday podcast. I, I mean, you see it uh, all the time and I, the history is so important there. It's like, these guys have a history of 12 years, like, like, you know, Andy, Andy yeah. Reed has known Travis Kelsey for a long, long time. And they have had all sorts of things behind the scenes that we never see that they've had to deal with. And their relationship is obviously very, very strong. I would say Andy Reed, maybe his best attribute is his relationship with players because he does a great job of walking that line of, uh, I support you. I'm here for you. 
but I'm not a pushover. Like you screw up and like, I'm going to hold yeah. you accountable for that. Like that he's been doing that for a long, long from his early days as the Philadelphia Eagles uh, head coach when no one knew who he was. And it's only like, I remember Eagles would let so many guys go in free agency during that era. And they would be so mad at management during that stretch, but you could never get them to say anything bad about Andy Reid. They were just like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like he, he was, you know, um, the guy they wanted to play for. So yeah, I generally, uh, I agree with you. I, I, again, I think the reason why it's gotten blown up is because, you know, Travis Kelsey is like a new level of famous now since he started dating Taylor Swift compared, <clears throat> excuse me, compared to where he was uh, a year ago or six months ago. And so everybody feels like they have to have an opinion. They have to have a, a take about it. But man, Kelsey, the last two games here, it's like, this is, I feel like we don't talk about him as a player probably enough um, because of all this other stuff. But the run he went on here in the, in the AFC Championship against the Ravens and the second half of the Super Bowl. I mean, I love that stat yeah. about the speed he got to. Uh, but I say, the stats. literal run he went I mean, on. He almost hit 20 miles per I hour. I mean, the fat, what was it? The fastest he's run in seven years or something. It's like... Uh, he, he, you could tell on his face, like I almost thought he wanted to win so bad. Like he wanted to win a Super Bowl and say, like, I'm good. You know, I, I'm retiring here. Although he said over and over again that he's going to come back and play. But you could tell how much he wanted it uh, and how well he played. I mean, this was an offense where they were just been funneling targets to Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice here. The the last uh, Rasheed Rice, right? Yeah. Why did that feel weird coming out of my Rasheed, mouth? Yeah. I'm like, did I get his name wrong? Uh, listen, it's, it was a long week. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I, I agree with you that um, it, it's not that big of a deal. And you have these intense moments on the sideline all the time against hyper-competitive people. And as long as that trust is there uh, and that's been established again for over a decade, that it's really not that big of a deal. All right. Number two for me. Solak. This is I feel like this fits now, now that you mentioned Andy Reid. All right. I want to know what you think about this take. Cause I don't know if it's a fully baked take or whether it's a take that I'm still kind of workshopping and trying to figure out whether it makes sense or not. So here it is. Kyle Shanahan is Eagles era Andy Reid. So I was looking at these two men mm -hmm. after the Super Bowl and I was listening to Andy Reid. Okay. Talking up there, just won his third Super Bowl. And I was like, is he a different person than the guy who coached the Eagles for the first 14 years? of his career. I mean, that stretch he had 2000 to 2004, his teams won 11 more more games every season. They lost in the conference championship four times in 14 years. They lost the Super Bowl once. He was in this spot where he was widely considered one of the best coaches in the NFL, but he was also talked about as a guy, well, he can't quite get over the hump. And I don't think he's a different guy. I don't think he's a different coach. I don't think now that he has three titles, he figured something out and he's different than he was back then. Now he's considered an all-time great. Then I started to think about Kyle Shanahan and oh man, Kyle Shanahan looked sad and depressed and trying to process just minutes after. I mean, it's the minutes after a game you have to go out there and answer all these questions. Last five seasons for Kyle Shanahan, two NFC championship losses, two Super Bowl losses. Like Reed back then, Shanahan considered one of the NFL's best coaches. I mean, if Shanahan's available on the open market, teams are going to come, they're going to be bidding, and everyone's going to want uh, this guy, but he still doesn't have a ring to show for it. And these runs in the NFL, and I think we got, we got into this uh, last week. We had a good conversation on this, but like they generally last like 
three to five seasons. I mean, you just, you don't get these extended windows unless you have like Mahomes or Brady, basically, where you're in it for a long, long period of time. And even then, you know, sometimes you have down stretches within, within then. So now you look ahead to next year, only once Ben since 2000 has a Super Bowl loser gotten back to the Super Bowl the next season. It generally does not happen. So this could have been Shanahan's best chance. It could have been his last chance with this specific core, and it still didn't happen. So let's take the comparison uh, a little bit further. What happened to Andy Reid? He bottomed out in Philly. Okay, he was out of ideas by the end of his run in Philly. He was 4-12. and 12. He starts over in KC. He dra- they get the best quarterback in the NFL, and now he has three championships. But Andy Reid coached 20 freaking Andy Reid. The guy we look at now is right. Hall of Famer, one of the maybe five best coaches. He coached 20 seasons before he got a championship. Kyle Shanahan has coached seven. I mean, if you're a Niners fan, that's got to be a bit of a like a sobering thought that it's really, really hard to finally get that one. So many things we just talked about it uh, have to go your way in a given year. I mean, in this game, if a random punt does not hit Daryl George Odom, Luter's, no Daryl Luter, Daryl Luter's yeah. foot. What's what are the conversations we're having on this pod? We're talking about if Shanahan Dre got over the hump. If Dre Greenlaw doesn't pop his Achilles coming into the game. Yeah. They were so good with Greenlaw on the running field. Running onto oh. the field. And so I think Shanahan's going to get one at some point. I don't, it, I don't know if it's going to be in San Francisco. I don't know if it's going to be with Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and this core. I don't know. But I just think he's too good. At some point, he's going to get one. But as Andy Reid's career shows... There could be so many ups and downs, so much more pain, so much more heartache before that eventually happens. Obviously, it's not a path to just, hey, go draft the best quarterback in the NFL. That's not going to happen. Uh, I think he gets one eventually, but man, it could be a long time. And I think if you look at the guy on the other sideline, it's a good reminder of that. Um, and I, I do think there's like a fair comp between these 49ers with Shanahan and those Eagles teams with Andy Reid. I do think like that you've seen these comparisons drop now. I think like, you know, the amount of NFC Championship games they appeared to, and then they only got to a couple of Super Bowls, and then did they, you know, win? No, they didn't. Those Andy, like, you know, late 90s, and then that early 2000s run where he was getting NFC Championships, they couldn't win those games, and they got to the Super Bowl, they couldn't win that game. Like, I think that comparison is is very apt. The thing I would say for Niners fans is, Andy didn't do it with the team that he was losing with. Right. Andy did, Andy did it with a different team. Uh, and, and I, and Kyle's got, everything he wants there in San Francisco in terms of like John Lynch is his handpicked general manager. And like, he's, he's got uh, the, the weapons that they've accumulated and the way those weapons work for the offense. They went and traded for Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle in the fifth round, Debo Samuel. Like these are perfect players for his offense. He has everything he wants. It is hard. I'd say this all the time. It is hard to get close and keep losing and to keep everything together. It is so challenging to, to be able to, to say for like the third, fourth year in a row, we're so close. Just stay the path. Just stay. It's around the next bend. Just keep chopping wood. Keep believing. It is hard in the league to do that. Just, just you know, we've already got people screenshotting Brandon Ayuk's brother on Instagram saying, "Why well, my guy only have three catches in the Super Bowl? He's going to the Raiders." Like, you know, like we, they, they, it is just so tough to keep it all together. And so, I, 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 we're gonna get into this a little bit later. I strongly believe. Kyle Shanahan is going to win a Super Bowl at some point in the relatively near future. He is far too good of a coach for it not to happen. I am less certain that it's in San Francisco. 
And that's not because of anything that's been leaked or has happened or anything. It's just that it is really tough. It, it, ask Andy Reid and the Eagles. Ask, ask nine-year-old Ben how he felt about Andy Reid. It's just so hard to keep everything together. And when you have that switch, when you have that, that change and, and, you, and you, you lose a job that you love and you have to relocate, it can also create some more uh, internal self-awareness of kind of who you are as a coach and, and what you need to work on. Like, I think that Andy is far from perfect at time management, but I think he certainly got better at time management in Kansas City than he was in Philadelphia. That's Mahomes. I, I, I just think that's the quarterback is taking care of most of it. I, I think Mahomes is certainly some of it. I think like a lot of what's better about Andy's offense is just Mahomes. But yeah. like, I think he also deserves credit for growing. And you could say, oh, he would have just grown if he stayed in Philadelphia. That might be true. But who knows? You know, when you, when you get fired and, 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 and get that second chance, it can kind of change your perspective on life. And so I'm confident Kyle wins one eventually. I just... For San Francisco, you stay the path, stay the way, stay on the trail. It's so hard, but you got to try to do it. I mean, he could coach 15 more years and not have a group that's as good as Kittle, Samuel, Ayuk, McCaffrey, right? Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Probably. But, that's the most likely also, scenario. Yes, but also he can coach for 15 years and in eight or nine of those years, have a group that's good enough to win the Super Bowl with, right? And that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's a margins thing. It's 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 okay. Once you clear this this bar, there's diminishing returns. Yeah, Eric Armstead had a good like quote after the game where he was like, 2019, there are different types of Super Bowl losers. And he was like, in 2019, we felt like the young, hungry, like on the rise type team. And without saying it, it was like, this feels different. You know, like this feels like, yeah. oh my gosh, if it, you know, we're, we're like everybody's little old. And they still have a lot of good players uh, in their primes who are young enough, but um, it's just a different type of feeling when you keep climbing climbing, climbing, get there, doesn't happen. And now you're thinking about, I'm showing up in April for OTAs and we're doing this whole freaking thing over again just to get to this point and we have to get the right bounces and we have to get the right injury luck. It just it like, wears on you, man. It, yeah, it is, uh, it is a lot. All right, let's take one more break. We'll get to our third takes. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right. Third takes. What do you got, Solak? Uh, now that it's official, I think Mike Zimmer is a great defensive coordinator choice for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I, you're giving me a nod. I'm worried that you've got this as well. No, I don't. Uh, but, but we talked about yeah. this on the last show, and I was I thought he was their their best option to hire. So yeah, now it's official. Yeah, 
So now that it's official, I want to, to, to highlight, I think the Mike Zimmer hire is, is a good hire. And in particular, uh, uh, I think that I'm really interested to see what happens with the Cowboys defense next season. Uh, upcoming, Cowboys right now, uh, personnel-wise, actually in a pretty good spot. Major free agents for them upcoming. Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, Jonathan Hankins, Neville Gallimore all along the defensive line. All those guys are rotational players. Dante Fowler follows Dan Quinn wherever he goes. You don't have to worry about that one. He's leaving. But everybody else, like, okay, like, you can bring back Hankins. He was a valuable player to you. Dorrance Armstrong had some good reps. Uh, you know, okay, whatever. Linebacker's pretty set. Uh, you have uh, Stephon Gilmore and J. Ron Curse in the secondary. Uh, uh, Jordan Lewis as well, who are up in free agency. But again, like, not nobody here is, is, is like a key foundational player for you. A lot of, your, a lot of those guys are set. However... Uh, Zimmer's going to come in and present a different defense than, than the one that Dan Quinn ran. Dan Quinn, four down fronts, and we're going to kind of, you know, play one gap, and we're going to fit from the second level, and we're going to play some man coverage, some cover three. They actually have done more, a better job under Quinn than his Atlanta days, like mixing up coverages. But fundamentally, they kept losing to the Shanahan offense. And it's because their fronts were too predictable, and their coverage checks were too predictable. They're, they're kind of a play simple so we can play super fast defense. And for a a Kyle Shanahan or a Matt LaFleur or or a Bobby Slowick, like just having seen this defense for so long and kind of knowing where the weak points are, how to get you to your bad spots and beat you there, this defense was really, really poor over time uh, against the Kyle Shanahan defense, against the Kyle Shanahan offense, excuse me. I want to bring this up, John Owning of PFF. Since Dan Quinn was made the Cowboys DC in 2021 versus Shanahan uh, coached teams, they allowed a uh, 36% success rate. They allowed a positive EPA per play. And they allowed 5.5 yards per play against non-Shanahan coaching trade. Wait, this is Lower Quinn su- or Zimmer? Sorry. This is Quinn. Quinn, okay. Uh, since Quinn, lower success rate, uh, 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 negative EPA per play, and uh, fewer lo- yards per play allowed. They were just generally defensively a lot better against non-Shanahan teams than they were against Shanahan teams, right? That's that. That's that's your nut graph there. That's your headline. Mike Zimmer, we didn't see like prime Zimmer against a lot of Shanahan teams. We kind of saw the end of Zimmer in Minnesota against early Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers. We don't have a ton of data. It's good. Like it implies that Zimmer is good against the Shanahan teams. Structurally though, like I'm more convinced that they'll be good because they change their fronts a lot more. Zimmer is just known for being a guy who can blend out of a 4-3 and into a 3-4 and you can get a linebacker on the line and off the line. He can put a linebacker in the A-gap and they will blitz and they will sim pressure. They just do so much more talking about like Spags against Shanahan here in the Super Bowl to change the picture on, on, on that style of offense. I think it's important for the Cowboys to get better against the 49ers. I think when you sit down right now in Dallas and you go, what do we need to do? Uh, high on your answer is, okay, we got to get better against 49ers. Like, we, we have to be able to beat that team if we're going to make it through the NFC and into the postseason. I'm, so I think overall, like, it, it, it's a good, it's a wise approach. It, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a, of a schematic change because of what you do at the front, but you can still play a lot of man coverage on the back. That's what Trayvon Diggs needs. That's what Deron Bland needs. So and Malik Hooker fits for that. Like, that all makes sense. What's interesting is that Mike Zimmer's defense is a learning curve, dude. This is a complex unit, all right? A lot of coverage rotations, a lot of match coverages, a lot of putting the guy on the ball, dropping him, and then spinning into this area, fire zones. And Dan Quinn, man, the presentations are short and brief. All right, get out on the field. Let's run, let's play, let's hit. Mike Zimmer, you got to learn. Like, this is a complex defense. I would not be surprised if we are doing a, a, a nice, big, Dallas screwed up, Zimmer, this Dan Quinn. It's the Jonathan Gannon, Sean Desai, Shield Kapadia prediction where early in the season, by overall numbers, 
this defense is going to look worse. Oh, from a snap-to-snap basis, from a game-to-game basis, this defense is not as good as the Dan Quinn defense where we just put a bunch of really fast, big bodies on the field. And we ran around, we hit some guys, and it was great. But then they're going to run into the Green Bay Packers, who they got to beat. They're going to run into the Detroit Lions, who they got to beat. They're going to run into the San Francisco 49ers, who they really, really have to beat. And they're going to be better in those games. And the objective is going to be by November and by December. Think about Todd Monken and this Ravens offense. Such a shift this was this last year. And they weren't incredible throwing the football early, but they got better week over week. By November, by December, against those teams, performing a little bit better, being able to win those, being able to slow those offenses. And hopefully, by playoff time, Dallas is in a better position defensively to match up against the top teams in the NFC. So I think this is a good hire. I think it makes sense. I think it is logically sound. This is also the year for Mike McCarthy. If it doesn't happen this year, sayonara, it's done. And this Zimmer defense is a learning curve. So they, there's a big difference for Dallas if they figure this out in October versus in December. They got to be able to figure this out fast. Really, really important defense to watch. Yeah, I think that's right. He, I, I feel he gives you a better chance in a one-off playoff situation than Dan Quinn to come up with, like you said, I mean, we're talking about Spags this this whole week and rightfully so, that type of game plan against a really good offense because you're going to run into a really good offense and multiple really good offenses on the way to where you want to go, the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. So it is interesting from the perspective you mentioned, like this could be a one-year thing. I mean, if they don't, if the Cowboys don't play well uh, this year, it's like a one-year agreement and then all of a sudden they're looking for a new head coach and Mike Zimmer's out there. But uh, I love having Zimmer back in the league like crotchety, like, you know, your old theory about uh, older Jack. He definitely fits uh, the the old thing there. He's seen it all. I mean, who who knows? He Like he could, uh, he, he could come out uh, with a scheme that, you know, we're, we're talking about in Thanksgiving, December. Like, oh my gosh, look at what this version of Mike Zimmer's defense looks like. So they've obviously got talent. They've got Parsons. They've got Demarcus Lawrence. They've got good corners. I, I think linebacker, they need uh, some help there. And obviously defensive tackle, they need some help there. But it's not like the cupboard is not bare. The coach is paid to do more with less, as we always say. Uh, and so they'll make some moves this offseason. But I think if you're a Cowboys fan, like process-wise, outcome-wise, this is great. I mean, this is what you, if you were like, Dan Quinn's going to leave as a head coach, who do you want as your defensive coordinator? I would be like, yes, please sign up, sign yeah. me up for Mike Zimmer any day of the week. And to what you said about, hey, they could struggle early in the season. That's true. The The offense should be good enough early in the season where you can weather that. I mean, you're you're thinking, hey, you should have a top five, uh, top eight offense with the pieces you have coming back next year, where even if the defense isn't completely buttoned up, you should be able to withstand that and you should be okay. So yeah, defense, NFC East defensive coordinators, I was thinking that uh, is pretty interesting now. You know, you've got Fangio in Philly. You've got Zimmer in Dallas. Mm-hmm. You've got your boy Shane Bowen, right? Where he went to the Giants, right? Why my boy yeah. Shane Bowen? Oh, I thought you Why? loved Shane Bowen. No, you don't love Shane Bowen? I, I like Shane Bowen. I oh, thought okay. he did a couple of nice things. Sim pressure-wise, I thought uh, it was interesting. As listeners tell me, I say your I've boy been, to, you know, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I anytime <laughs> anytime I've mentioned a person more than you have, he's my boy. Just by, They all fall into the same bucket. I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. So uh, there you go. And of course, Dan Quinn takes over there in D.C. with the Commanders. All right. My final take here, I'm going to another NFC team. This is with the caveat (laughs) that this stuff is very hard to predict. And this take, like many of mine, could look horrible a year from now. But I love what the Seahawks are doing with this with this yes. coaching staff. Like if you would have put on paper, hey, they're going to move on from Pete Carroll. Here's what it's going to look like on what's today. February 13th, I would have been like, 
ooh, that is that is pretty interesting. That is a nice group to take me in to the next era of Seahawks football. So we talked about Mike McDonald. I think we both like that hire quite a bit. Again, he could stay. Who knows? But uh, just just based on what we've seen so far, that one made a lot of sense. Creative defensive mind has worked under two uh, great head coaches, a guy who you could see yourself sticking with for a long period of time. So that's a win. OC, Mike McDonald, most important hire for a defensive coach is the OC. He doesn't just bring in some, oh, this guy's, you know, called plates, retread, a little outside the box thinking. I don't know that anyone else even interviewed this guy. Ryan Grubb, the OC of the Washington Huskies. And then I guess for a couple of weeks there, the OC uh, of the Alabama Crimson Tide leaves Alabama. Certainly introduced himself to recruits as the OC of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We know that. I really like the the big swing here. I mean, this is a creative, innovative coach. This is a guy who that Washington the last two years averaged 487 yards per game, nearly 37 points per game. Will there be an adjustment going from college to the NFL? Sure, but uh, I love taking the swing on the upside here with Grubb. This Seahawks group, they have talent on offense. Like he's not coming in having to be like, who are these guys? Like you have talent at wide receiver. You have a veteran quarterback. O-line is a key here, I think. You know, they had a fantastic O-line at Washington last year in college. I think Grubb is bringing his O-line coach with him, so you need to figure that part out. But again, they have two young offensive tackles. It's not like they've got no talent there. So uh, I really liked that hire with Ryan Grubb. Could work out, might not work out, but he's a guy who would absolutely make sense, in my opinion, to take a swing on. And then McDonald brings in Leslie Frazier. As an assistant head coach, I love that move as well. You're a first-time Huge. head coach. You're a young guy. Frazier is like one of the most well-liked and respected uh, assistant co- coaches in the NFL. I mean, he will be respected by peers. He will be respected by players. Great guy to bounce ideas off of. Like that's what you need if you're a Mike McDonald. Like Leslie Frazier has seen everything in the NFL. He's not like listen. They had some bad times, you know, as he's calling defenses with the Bills in those playoff games. I'm not saying it was perfect, but I'm saying in terms of a guy who's not bringing politics or drama into the building, a guy you can trust, a guy. First-time head coaches always say, "Oh man, I'm surprised by all the things that come across my desk. I wasn't uh, expecting that." Well, who's someone who can help you with that? Leslie Frazier. He's been a head coach. He's been a defensive coordinator. He's been in the NFL and had to deal with all kinds of issues at his various stops. So, uh, if you're a Seahawks fan, I mean, this is shaping up pretty nicely from a process standpoint, from head coach, from OC, from the staff that McDonald is putting together. Where, like, I'm not ready to. Immediately, immediately say they're going to be a bounce back team and in the playoffs next year. I might get there uh, eventually. Let's see what they do in the offseason. But I think it's hard to move on from a Pete Carroll. We know that it's going to be hard. Uh, he's going to be a hard guy to replace. But what I've seen so far, uh, I really, really like what they've done with that coaching staff. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I very much agree. I think that of the guys they interviewed for OC, like I was very interested in the Chip Kelly thing. I wanted to see Chip back in the league, but I think Grubb is giving you the same thing where it's like, okay, like innovation, creativity. I think it gives it two more in the passing game, which yes. is obviously where your bread is buttered in the NFL. I think the upside is higher because he's, he's been around for less time. And so you're going for a high tail, right? And there's more risk involved, but you're taking a swing on, on a young coach. If you hit, excellent. Now you got to worry about him getting hired away in a year, but that's the nature of having a defensive head coach. Um, the uh, the Leslie Frazier thing is enormous. All right, it's a very big deal. It, Mike McDonald, five years ago, was the linebackers coach for the Baltimore Ravens. Five years ago, Ryan Grubb 
was the assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator slash offensive line coach for the Fresno State Bulldogs, right? But before that, he was the running game coordinator of Fresno State, all right? They're a, def- a defensive coordinator. He's Aiden Durde. He's the uh, uh, a defensive line coach previously with the Dallas Cowboys under Dan Quinn. He is a uh, uh, feature of the uh, the um, the player pathway program, the international program. He came from from the UK. Five years ago, he was a defensive quality control for the quality control coach for the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, five years ago, none of these guys were running a unit. I mean, Grubb was it was his first year. But he, and he had done it at seasons past. Scrubs a little bit older than these guys. And he did it at like Sioux Falls. He did South Dakota State, Eastern Michigan, whatever. But in general, this is a very inexperienced yeah. staff there at, at the core. You absolutely unequivocally needed a Leslie Frazier to be like, hey, like, you know, this is like, let's let's set things this way. Think about it this way. Oh, I've seen this before, right? You get to week seven and DK Metcalf is pissed because he's had two, two and three targets over the last three games. Leslie Frazier helps you deal with that, right? Uh, and so I, 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 I like the grub hire. Uh, I think McDonald is is, is is an excellent defensive coach. Durday is very interesting to me because Durday is the defensive line coach of a four down. We only ever rush with four defense. Only ever coached under Dan Quinn for his entire coaching career. And he's being introduced to McDonald, who I would describe as like maybe the antithesis of Dan Quinn. Uh, and so like that combination is very interesting to me. There's a lot schematically, I think, that's super cool. But you wanted a little bit more of a veteran presence in the room. So Frazier adds to that. I agree. I think they're putting together an excellent staff. I continue to really like their personnel overall. Like, I think that, that this is a, a, a fairly well-built team. They got a lot of free agency stuff to figure out. They're going to lose some guys in the interior, Leonard Williams and Damian Lewis, Noah Fan. Like, they got, they got they have bodies to figure out. They have corner rotation that's been weird. Wide receiver target distribution. What's Tyler Lockett got left? How much is Jackson Smith and Jigba being used? Like, there's, there's a ton of questions. But the Seahawks are a, a, a Ben Solak-approved team for 2024. I'm very interested in, the, in, in this group. Hey, listen, early, early buzz as a potential team of extra point taken for 2024. I don't think their odds are going to be very good. Huge. I wow. was looking at, I mean, I was looking out in the here. I'm going to bring it up. Uh, teams that have worse Super Bowl odds than the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Broncos, the Commanders, the Patriots, the Titans, the Giants, and the Panthers. Seven teams have worse Super Bowl odds than the Seattle Seahawks. Are you surprised by that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that huh? was a little low, I thought. I mean, there are teams oh, above them, like, or, uh, yeah, like the Falcons are above them. You know, that's like a little surprising to me. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we have, we'll have plenty of time to talk about all that, but the Seahawks uh, offseason approved by Solak and me. All right. Extra point taken. What do you got? All right. Shell, my extra point taken for the week. I have three takes. <laughs> and I would like for you to rank them. Oh, God. All right. All right. Do I need pen and paper? Am I going to be able to remember these? All right. Uh, I think you should because there's uh, they're very short and they're very brief. And they're okay. very easy to remember, but you're getting a little old. Haven't eaten your almonds. Uh, the uh, I have been eating is- my almonds. People saw me at the 49ers availability last week. You know, it was kind of around lunchtime. And so I didn't. And I just brought out the bag, uh, for, for the bag of almonds snacking. from the laptop bag and was snacking like a little squirrel. Now, are you a are you a roasted almonds man? Are you a spicy the blue diamond ones? What, I, what are we, no, what are these we on? were Trader Joe's. I I got so I usually don't get salted. I wanted to try a salted, and I enjoyed a salted. Yeah, I, I tend yeah I tend to go for like any no sodium when I can because I got I got I, I try to keep the salt intake down. I tell you, she a, a blue diamond honey roasted yeah. almond now. A little sriracha almond. Mm, that's a good snack. Okay. Okay. All right. Three takes. They're really three predictions. They're three universes. And I want you to tell me which one is most likely to happen and then middle most likely and then least likely to happen. Make sense? Yes. All right. First prediction. 
Kyle Shanahan wins a Super Bowl in the next five years. All right. Now I say Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, we talked about the 49ers and the, the end of potential, whatever. But a Kyle Shanahan is the head coach of the team and he wins the Super Bowl in the next five years. Okay. Number two, the Chiefs do not win a Super Bowl in the next three seasons. The reason why I brought this one up is because people obviously did the Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes comparison for much of this week. Oh, when, uh, when, when Brady had won his three Super Bowls, he was 27, Mahomes was 28, three-time Super Bowl MVP, whatever. Obviously, uh, very famously, the Patriots won all their, their Super Bowls and then kind of went on a little bit of a cold run, right? They appeared in only two of the following six. They lost to the Giants in both times, and then they were out for a couple more years before they started winning again. And so second prediction, the Chiefs do not win, didn't say appear, so do not win in any of the next three Super Bowls. And the final prediction, Shield, the final universe, the Chiefs three-peat. The Chiefs win next year. They win the Super Bowl, and they win three in a row. Something that they were talking about in the post-game. Mahomes said the words three-peat, and he said it with no fear, no no qualification. He said, that's the, you know that's what we're going to do now. We, we won that one. We won this one. We figured, why not we just keep winning some more, causing some problems? Ever heard of a dynasty? Uh, uh, um, Andy, Andy, Andy came up to the, the press room. Before he even took a question, he said, I'm real proud of these guys. They did great, play really well. People talking about dynasty, and he goes, ah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have my thesaurus. Andy, that's a dictionary you're thinking of there, Andy. Dictionary is the one that tells you what, what, what a dynasty is. Because <laughs> you guys you guys define it. I don't have my thesaurus. And I was like, yeah, I'll let you get away with that one, Andy. So, third review, Kyle Shanahan wins at least one Super Bowl in the next five years. The Chiefs do not win any of the next three Super Bowls or the Kansas City Chiefs three-peat shield, which is most likely middle, and then least likely to happen. This is hard. I'm looking at these. Like, and normally when you do these, I have strong. I'm just like, I can answer this right away. And I'm struggling a little bit. I was finagling here. with the numbers. I was like six years, four yeah. years. I was messing around with it, trying to get it, you know, nicely balanced. Yeah, I do. Like, Okay, so I think that I'm going to start at the least likely. Can I do that? Is that okay. Can I go reverse yeah, order? Yeah, please, 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 please. I think Chiefs three-peating, I'm putting as least likely uh, okay. among the three just because it's really hard. You mentioned it. Those Patriots teams with Brady, I mean, they won in 2004 and then they didn't win again until 2014. Nine seasons in between for a Brady-Belichick team. Now, they're in the mix all kinds of times uh, in there, no doubt about it. But man, it's uh, it's just really hard. A lot of things have to go your way. Even this run, like I feel like they're, you know, as we just said, and you, you know, people don't like want to acknowledge this and I get it. It's kind of like a boring point. But if the if a random punt doesn't hit Daryl Luter's foot, what are what are the narratives we're talking about on the show? We're talking about Shanahan. Exactly. Shanahan finally got you know his Super Bowl. Where does he rank among great coaches of the last twenty years? You know what do the Chiefs need to do this offseason? To the Chiefs had what they scored one touchdown on like their first twelve possessions in this game, and that was after the punt. They, like like they only had. I, I was thinking this last year in the Super Bowl they had eight possessions in that game. Like their first eight possessions in this game were terrible. You know, it was just the 49ers yeah. couldn't keep the ball out of their hands. And when you give Mahomes enough chances and like finally he he's going to do it. But um, like they were not clearly the best team in the NFL this year. I think Chiefs fans can even acknowledge that they had a great defense and you have Mahomes. You're always going to have a chance. I found that out the hard way. So I'm going to go three Chiefs, three Pete as least likely. Do you agree with that right. or no? Did you so rank I these do. or no? Okay. I do. It's worth remarking. Uh, FanDuel right now, Chiefs plus 650 to win Super Bowl 2025. That is now taking implied odds out of a market like this is 
terrible and and like I would need to go through all the calculation get an actual number plus 650 flat out is implied odds of 13.3%. So that's that that's just that's that's FanDuel's telling you there's a 13% chance that Kansas City wins the Super Bowl next year. Again, it's lower than that because they got juice out of this market, but there you go. Operate off that number. Okay, so the next two are interesting. Chiefs don't win in the next 3 years or Shanahan does win in the next 5 years. Woo! All right, so all right, so I'm already saying I don't think they're going to three feet. Okay, so I'm really okay. well, all right. Now I have to take that into account. Still, that they could. I'm saying I don't think they will, but they could. So the next three seasons, could the Chiefs go without winning a Super Bowl? Like the, it's hard to say yes to that in my head. Or I'm like, no, three years. Come on, they're going to get one of those. But I have to remind myself, it's hard to do. Is that more likely? Where Shanahan in the next five years, there could be a reset. Next year, oh my goodness! And I oh, was good podcasting. I, listen, like, good I, I just, podcasting. I, I, I just went on a whole rant about how Andy Reid took twenty seasons. I'm gonna say the most likely out of those is... two is that Shanahan does win one in the next All five. Right. Yeah, I think Shanahan winning one in the next five is more likely than the Chiefs not winning one in the next three. I don't know if yes. that's right or not. Where did you land on this? I had the exact same order. I had, uh, it is the most likely thing is that in the next five years, which is the big, is the biggest sample of the three, Shanahan wins at least one of them. I think that he is a, he has been to the NFC Championship game in four of the last five years. He's been one of the last four teams remaining very reliably. I think in Brock, he has a better quarterback than he had with Jimmy, which is how he got half of them done. They're going to start having to deal with some some talent departing that's that's obviously a reality but i think that they've shown that they can they can draft well and then they can also develop well uh and, and they have that on their staff uh steve wilkes uh, is not D'Amico and it's not robert sala like i think that that's a little bit of a disadvantage but i still expect the niners to just be the best team in the nfc until being shown otherwise um i have the chiefs uh, uh failing to win one of the next three right in the middle i think that that's decently likely like it's just it it's really hard to win one of the next three Super Bowls. Like, obviously, I just gave Shanahan five Super Bowls. Uh, but I, I, I like every team in the league is going to be aspiring to beat them. Like, the objective is going to be to knock them off. And it's worth remarking how how strong the AFC field is, right? I, and they went through that field, went through Miami, went through Buffalo and Baltimore, in Buffalo and in Baltimore, the best Super Bowl run, toughest run we've ever seen by DVOA. It took a lot. It took a lot of luck. It took a Stefan Diggs drop. It took fumbles. It took fourth down tries. It took you know uh, 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 mistakes. Like it's just, the AFC is really really tough. I think that them them missing the Super Bowl outright is a lot more likely than people realize. And then absolutely three peat is the least likely because it's a it's it's a one off. It's a they have to win the next one. They're talking about it. They sure would like to. They very well can. I will not be betting against them. No, I will uh, not. I will not be betting against the sure. Chiefs as an underdog probably for the rest of my life. I learned yeah. that. Um, anyway. So yeah, those are your those are your little futures. I'm glad that that one that one got you. Good. That was a nice great one. Yeah. That one really had my yeah. head spinning. I'm like, I'm yeah. like, Chiefs don't win. I was like, well, wait, am I thinking Chiefs do win? No, okay, I finally yeah. got it together. All right, uh, now do you want to? Do you want to thank the listeners? Are you you want to get emotional? This is like the official last extra point taken of the 2023 season. I feel like you're the Capadias are not good about you know, like expressing emotion, appreciation, gratitude verbally. You know, we're more, we're more of a show me uh, type. Once it starts getting the communication, things get very dicey. It's a long story for another pot. Uh, but I thought, you know, I give you a floor. I don't know. Do you want to, anything? So, so, it sounds like you're caring a lot. Yeah, there. no, yeah. There, there's no doubt about um, it. Yeah. 
It's been a, I mean, it's it's been an unbelievable season. Sheila and I are really really thankful. I, I can't attest for for Sheila and, and his experience, but in terms no of, no just attest for me because I don't want to express anything of my I, own. I yeah. can attest for Sheila and okay. his experience, but in terms of of people reaching out off of pods and 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 sharing their experience and why they enjoy listening and when they listen and what their favorite segments are and and I mean it's just been I've been blown away the the amount of of expats who care so much about the show they want to make sure they tell us about it. it it's it really. It, it's a good feeling in a cheap way because I'm like, oh, yeah, like people like me. But it's also a good feeling in a very real way, in a very substantive way where like uh, you put a lot into this work. You put yourself out there and 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 it, sometimes it really, really sucks. And so when people say like, hey, this matters to me, uh, that matters to me and it matters to Sheila. It, it it validates us and it makes us feel like we do good work. So thank you to everybody who listened. Uh, it, it meant everything to us. We're going to keep going. Like we have a uh, 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 the extra point dual threat taken uh, duo crossover show, which is coming later this week. That the uh, clips and 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 full episodes will be up on the Ringer YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to while you're listening to a podcast or while the podcast is paused. Either way works for me. Um, and then we'll be still be going two times a week uh, in the off season. We have free agency coming up, which obviously Shiel Kapadia does better than any writer that's ever graced the earth. We have the draft coming up, which I do decently well, uh, and we'll do pods for uh, March and, and April all the way through that, and then. Uh, May, the, uh, the young Solak will come, and, I, and I'll step aside for a while. But we've got two times a week episodes coming up for the next couple of months. So stay around, enjoy them, have a great time. But yeah, for everybody who listened throughout the season and enjoyed, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I'm like in awe. Incredible. The man just communicate, communicating emotions and feelings in such a succinct, you know, clear way. You didn't have to lie. Yep. Listen, one day I told, I'll uh, get there. Yeah. I tried to tell Shield <laughs> listeners this week uh, at the Super Bowl h- how much he means to me and, and how much I look up to him, and he physically recoiled and moved away from me. Like, I was like, "I know <laughs> you absolutely did." It was an instinct, and then you you killed the instinct, and you went, you came back in. But when I said I like, I came up to you, I shook your hand, I was like, "Shield man, I I appreciate you so much." You physically took a step back. Listen, you did hundred <laughs> percent. There's a lot. I told you, like this is, this is what the Capadias do. We let it fester for months, years on end, then it blows up in some kind of conversation people start crying uh and then you move on from there so that's how every family uh is different i appreciate ben solak i appreciate the listeners it's been a fantastic season uh going twice a week all the jokes all the stuff i mean i could make a top 100 list of the stuff i got really 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 wrong like big stuff uh this year but you know what that's part of the fun you say what you're thinking at that moment in time and then you laugh at yourself later. Everyone who said hello uh, in Vegas, that was fantastic. Nice to uh, meet everyone. There met one uh, met one listener, so you know, getting a little workout in at the Luxor Gym. And you know, guy just I thought he just needed the machine, and he comes up and says, uh, you know, hello, I, I listen, big uh, Niners fan there. So that was fantastic as well. All right, sick gym brag. Yeah, well, listen, we get older, you got to, you know, strength, you got to do a little strength and you got to do a little car, the heart, the Kapadia heart. That's another thing we could talk about on another episode, but you got to start early making sure that heart is in good shape. All right. <laughs> Thank you. So we, we did directions. We did emotions. Yeah, we, we did, did the all. gym. What a show. We did. Yeah, good times. Uh, thank you to many people, Christopher Sutton for producing. Great to spend time with him in Vegas. Thank you to Eduardo Ocampo, the video production. I mean, all the clips you see, another big addition this year. Those have been fantastic. Loved having those all season long. And of course, Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal, the people who decide, you know, whether we should have a show together or not. So, you know, we got to thank them for that 
as well. All right, like Solak said, we are doing another four-person show with Nora and Steven later this week. Be on the lookout for that. Again, Ringer NFL on YouTube. Check that out. All right, thanks to everyone. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you later this week on Extra Pointing. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.